Now, we are going to talk this morning about the firstborn. And it's very appropriate because when we remember Jesus, he is the firstborn, the first fruits of those who sleep. And so we are very much concerned with this subject. And this isn't going to be a Bible class or an exposition, but rather we're going to draw the points of exhortation we can from this subject of the first fruits. And so it is a subject of which is subject to close to our hearts, brethren and sisters. This is because we hope to belong to the one body in Christ in perfection at the return of the Lord to the earth. We belong to one perfect ecclesia. Our thoughts on this subject of first fruits, as we say, are not going to be exhaustive, but rather to make us think about our privileged position and how we should behave uh, and behave because of our privilege. And we have plenty of information on how we should behave. For instance, what we've read together in the um, first book of Timothy, we have plenty to go on, plenty to do, and plenty to think about. So, first of all, in this matter of first roots then, we're going to turn to Deuteronomy chapter 26. And we ask you to turn to that. Uh, Deuteronomy chapter 26 and read some verses where we read a declaration of that's what was made by the Israelites when they entered into the land of promise. Deuteronomy 26 verses 5 to 10. And there we read, and this is part of the enactments of the law of Moses, Thou shalt speak and say before the Lord thy God, Assyrian ready to perish was my father. And he went down into Egypt and sojourned there with a few and became there a nation great, mighty and populous. And the Egyptians evilly entreated us and afflicted us and laid upon us hard bondage. And when we cried unto the Lord, the God of our fathers, the Lord heard our voice and looked on our affliction, and our labour, and our oppression. And the Lord brought us forth out of Egypt with a mighty hand, and with an outstretched arm, and with great terribleness, and with signs, and with wonders. And he hath brought us into this place, and hath given us this land, even a land that floweth with milk and honey. And here's the point. And now, behold, I have brought the first fruits of the land which thou, our Lord, hast given me, and thou shalt set it before the Lord thy God, and worship before the Lord thy God. Israel were the first fruits to God, as taught in God's natural blessings upon them. They had been promised power over the nations and to be blessed when that termed the promised seed would come again to the earth. They were to take of the first roots of all the earth in that land and bring them in, in a basket before the Lord at the hand of the priest. For verse 4 of the same 26th chapter has told us, And the priest shall take a basket out of thine hand and set it down before the altar of the Lord thy God. 
The first roots of the earth were to be placed in this basket, that is, separated, but together. It was one basket, but with many different fruits in it, before the Lord. The priest, the means of approach to God, was to take the basket and set it down before the altar, the place where the offerings were accepted by God, whether of sacrifice or by prayer at the altar of incense. In type, then, we see a separate people offered to God at the hand of a priest. And this is all expressed for us in that same chapter 26, verses 18 to 19, where we read, And the Lord hath avouched thee this day to be his peculiar people, or special people, as he hath promised thee, and that thou shouldest keep all his commandments, and to make thee high above all nations which he hath made in praise and in name and in honour, and that thou mayest be an holy people unto the Lord thy God, as he hath spoken. So here we see God's people with the uh, with them that they might become the leading nation upon the earth. But sadly, of course, we know they went away from God's law. Now all of this was done before the Lord, we notice. Now his name of Yahweh Elohim tells of a principle of many in one. I will be mighty ones in its basic form, or God made known in a multitude, and this I will be speaks to us of a future purpose. And indeed, that future purpose was primarily to be with Israel, and then with those who were joined to Israel's hope. If we now turn to another reference to Deuteronomy chapter 23, we find this principle seen again of the first roots of harvest. The children of Israel were no strangers to God's plan of redemption. They had witnessed the Passover and had learned the principle that without the shedding of blood there was no remission of sins. And they knew that it was only through a priest that their sacrifices could be acceptable and through the priest before God there was redemption. And that, we notice, by a lamb without blemish. Well, this 23rd chapter tells us in verse 10 to 12 of the 23rd chapter of Leviticus, When ye become into the land which shall give you, and shall reap the harvest thereof, then ye shall bring a sheath of the first fruits of your harvest unto the priest. And he shall wave the sheath before the Lord to be accepted of you. On the morrow after the Sabbath, the priest shall wave it. And ye shall offer that day when ye wave the sheath and he lamb without blemish of the first year for a burnt offering unto the Lord. So a sheath, as we know, is composed of many parts, forming a whole unit. Just as the name of Yahweh Elohim refers to many in one name, I will be mighty ones, so in this sheath. It was to be waved before the Lord, therefore associated with him. So, in its simplest form, we could say that God could see what was going on. It was offered in conjunction with a lamb 
without blemish for a burnt offering. The two go together. And of course, a burnt offering was to be totally consumed, just as in type our Lord Jesus Christ was totally consumed in his ministry when he came to this earth. This is where the connection of ourselves with the first root offerings comes in. Jesus Christ was in type the unblemished Lamb of God, who was to be totally consumed in service to God as a burnt offering. The waving of the sheaves denotes action before God, action in saving many who are one in Christ Jesus through faith and through baptism. And so here we uh, find a very interesting point. We think of the First Corinthians 12 where we find Paul telling that the Christ body is made up of many parts, but now are they many members yet in one body. And so all the way through we begin to see this principle, this idea that many in one is in fact God's purpose. In other words, it's what God is all about. It's what he's going to do with this earth, his purpose. Jesus is the way God has appointed to save men and women, to make them part of his name. Israel are God's first fruits, and we are joined through Christ to the hope of Israel by the promises made to Abraham, Isaac and Jacob through that promised seed in whom all nations of the earth should be blessed. Like them, we must keep God's commandments and be a peculiar or rather a special people to him. A special people because we believe in him and keep his commandments. After Moses had died came Joshua who led Israel into the promised land. He was a man of faith. We remember how it was only Joshua and Caleb who were allowed into the land because of their faith at the time Moses was preparing to lead Israel into the land. It is interesting because at the time the spies were sent to report on the land and its inhabitants and its fruit, it was the time of first ripe grapes or first fruits of the land. Whether this was a coincidence, we don't know. Was this intended to show that if the children of Israel were faithful and obedient, they too would have been first fruits to God, as Moses had shown them, as for example, in the harvest of the first fruits, in the basket and in the sheath. Only Caleb and Joshua were first fruits to God, a lesson for us surely. They were first fruits because they obeyed God. They did what he said. They had faith in him. They had faith and they trusted in God. They were an example of how first fruits to God should be waved before the God, before God. In other words, they practiced what they believed in. So they were doing something and God could see it. Joshua said, be strong and of a good courage. He was saying to us, as we journey to the promised land, the land of first fruits, of harvest, which involves, of course, not only the blessings upon the land of Israel, but all nations to be blessed in 
one, even the Lord Jesus. So we belong to Christ, the first fruits to God. That Christ should suffer, the Acts tells us, that Christ should suffer and that he should be the first that should rise from the dead and should show light to the people and to the Gentiles. Dr. Thomas, instead of using the word first fruits, talks of Jesus as being the firstborn of a new creation. And it gives the same idea. Jesus was the first to rise from the dead, implying that others should follow. Hence, the type of the sheath of many in one before God. James says, Of his own will begat he us with the word of truth, that we should be a kind of first fruits of his creatures. In other words, we should show that we are potentially first fruits when Jesus comes again to the earth. So we are being developed, as it were. The word of God is able to make us wise unto salvation and has begotten us or made us to be born as new creatures because we are guided by God's word, which, generally speaking, is not man's ways. In a sense, we then are first fruits now, being nurtured and prepared for the harvest to come. For the sheath, for the basket of first fruits brought before the Lord, or the, at the hand of the priest. Paul puts, his, puts it all together for us in Romans chapter 8, and we can perhaps turn to this one. Romans chapter 8, reading at verse 28. Romans chapter 8. Reading at verse 28 to 30, where the Apostle Paul puts things in perspective and gives us much encouragement and hope. Romans 8, 28 to 30. And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are called according to his purpose. For whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Moreover, whom he did predestinate, them he also called, and whom he called, them he also justified, and whom he justified, them he also glorified. So that is the hope set before us. It is evident that we then are to be as first fruits now as well as in prospect for the future. This means we must conform to the image of God's Son the best we can, although we struggle sometimes. For he is the firstborn of a new creation and we must follow the pattern. Honour the Lord with thy substance, the Proverbs tells us, and with the first fruits of all thy increase. In other words, we are to give of our first fruits, of our best, to God, even as he, have, he has given us, his Son, and a wonderful prospect for the future. Paul gives us an advice on, on how we should live. In the first of Corinthians, for example, he's, Paul says, 
Now I beseech you, brethren, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you all speak the same things, and that there be no division among you, but that you be perfectly joined together in the same mind and in the same judgment. So that's rather wonderful, isn't it? This is how we should be, what we should be aiming for. This rather reminds us of some words in the Acts of the Apostles, chapter 20, no need to turn to this, when Paul, you remember, was saying goodbye to the Ephesian um, ecclesia that he had met. And these are his words. Take heed therefore to yourselves and to all the flock over which the Holy Spirit hath made you overseers to feed the church of God which he hath purchased with his own blood. For I know this, that after my departing shall grievous wolves rent in among you, not sparing the flock. Also of your own selves shall men arise speaking perverse things to draw away disciples after them. Therefore watch and remember that by the space of three years I cease not to warn everyone night and day with tears. And what feeling this man had. And now, brethren, I command you, I commend you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up, <coughs> excuse me, and to give you an inheritance among all them who are sanctified. So, how wonderful, this word of grace. And this is that word. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, in instru- and for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect or, completely, or complete, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. So we can see, brethren and sisters, that there are plenty of things here for us to do. There is much that we must try to do in our lives as first fruits to God of that future age. Now, fruit, of course, needs cultivation. It doesn't just get where it is without careful pruning and the soil be made as good as possible and to fight against all the insects and things that trouble the growing of plants. Now the word of God gives this to us. It tells us how we should look after this fruit. Give attendance to reading, it says, to doctrine, that is, those things which are to be believed. Meditate upon its pages and you will save yourselves Not only that, but also those that hear, hear us. This word teaches us that we belong to one body. Yes, we belong to one body, which has many parts, with Christ at the head. Paul wrote about this in another place, again, keeping this theme going of first fruits, where he says... Talking of, of uh, Jesus, who is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of every creature. So we've got to follow him. For by him were all things created that are in heaven and that are in earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, 
All things were created by him or on account of him and for him. And he is before all things and by him all things consist. And he is the head of the body of the church who is the beginning, and is that word again, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he might have the preeminence. Yes, Jesus first, and afterward, those that are his. And then, a reminder for us all. And you that were sometime alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works, yet now hath he reconciled in the body of his flesh through death, to present you holy and blameable and unreprovable in his sight. If ye continue in the faith, note that, if ye continue in the faith, grounded and settled, and be not moved away from the hope of the gospel, which ye have heard, and which was preached to every creature which is under heaven, whereof I, Paul, am made a minister. Yes, Fruit needs cultivation. And in these last verses is the challenge for us that we be not moved away from the hope of the gospel. Yes, it's easy to read. But are we up to it, brethren and sisters? Will we ever be moved away from the hope of the gospel? And this is the exhortation. We all need it. Let's face it. We know that we are prone to do wrong, but also, on the other hand, let's also be positive and know, for example, that all of us here are trying our best to wait patiently for the coming of the Lord. So if we are, then we can indulge a little in the hope to be fulfilled in a short while as harvest of the first fruits. We remember those well-known words of the first of Corinthians 15, but now is Christ risen from the dead and become the first fruits of them that slept. For since by man came death, by man came also the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, even so in Christ shall all be made alive. But every man in his own order, Christ the first fruits, and afterward they that are Christ's at his coming. This will soon happen, brethren and sisters, and again, the question has to be asked, which applies to all of us, will we be ready for it? Are we waiting in sincerity and truth for the coming of the Lord and for the great harvest of the earth? Are we still a kind of first fruits to God? This will be their future. Revelation 14 says, these are they which were not defiled with women, for they are virgins. These are they which follow the Lamb whithersoever he goeth. These were redeemed from among men, being first fruits unto God and to the Lamb. You can't get away from it all the way through the Scriptures. This point keeps being made. And it's not until, like when I was preparing this address, how often it does have, it is mentioned. And Reading things over and over again, we sometimes miss this repetition. Yes, all our efforts will be worthwhile. Make no mistake about it, brethren and sisters. God has promised us great things and he will not let us down. Just listen to this. 
But ye are come into Mount Zion, and unto the city of the living God, and the heavenly Jerusalem, and to an innumerable company of angels, to the general assembly and church of the firstborn, which are written in heaven, and to God the judge of all, and to the spirits of just men made perfect, and to Jesus, the mediator of the new covenant, and to the blood of sprinkling, that speaketh better things than that of Abel. Just imagine this actually happening, of being there. It can happen to us. We can experience it. Dare I say it, we will experience it. If we are part of the sheath waved before the Lord, we can say yes. If we are part of the basket of the first fruits brought before the Lord's altar by the priest in type Jesus Christ, we can say yes. If we are like Caleb and Joshua, whose faith made them a kind of first fruits to God, we can say yes. All of this is possible because of him whom we now remember, Christ Jesus, the first fruits. Now, in the Psalms, we read some words which we think positively tell us of the coming of Jesus. And in the Psalm 89, no need to turn to it, we read these following words. He shall cry unto me, Thou art my Father, my God, and the rock of my salvation. I also will make him my firstborn, well, we know who that is, higher than the kings of the earth. My mercy will I keep for him forevermore, and my covenant shall stand fast with him. Note this, his seed also will I make to endure forever, and his throne as the days of heaven. So these are not just beautiful words, but they are a statement of fact and of intent on God's behalf. And that's how we must view all scripture. They're a statement of God's intent. Brethren and sisters, the harvest will soon be upon us at the end of the world, and the firstborn of a new creation will be here to bless and to make his seed endure forever. That is, those who know how to behave themselves. For we know that it is written in the Holy Scriptures these words. Now, in the first of Timothy, Timothy chapter 3, indeed the whole of that chapter we read this morning, it tells us how we should behave ourselves. And in particular, chapter 3, verse 15 to 16, no need to turn to it, we have read, But if I tarry long, that thou mightest know how thou oughtest to behave thyself in the house of God, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and ground of the truth. Is that us, brethren and sisters? And without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifest in the flesh, justified in the spirit, seen of angels, preached unto the Gentiles, believed on in the world, and received up into glory. Yes, how wonderful are those words, and they bring upon us 
great responsibility. Jesus is in glory now. He has been raised from the dead and waiting for the time to come when he will return with power and great glory to set up God's kingdom. And now as we draw our marks to a close, we thought perhaps we could read those wonderful words of Revelation chapter 21, and perhaps we can turn to this, Revelation chapter 21, and read those words there which give so much comfort and hope to us all. I'm sure we're all familiar with the main message here, so let's just remind ourselves, Revelation 21 verse 7. Uh, um, Revelation 21 verse 1 to 7 rather and I saw a new heaven and a new earth for the first heaven and the first earth were passed away and there was no more sea and I John saw the holy city the new Jerusalem coming down from God out of heaven prepared as a bride adorned for a husband And I heard a great voice out of heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with with men, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people, and God himself shall be with them, and be their God. And God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes, and there shall be no more death, neither sorrow nor crying, neither shall there be any more pain, for the former things are passed away. And he that sat upon the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. And he said unto me, Write, for these words are true and faithful. And he said unto me, It is done. I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. I will give unto him that is a thirst of the fountain of the water of life freely. He that overcometh shall inherit all things, and I will be his God, and he shall be my son. Now when these wonderful things happen, verse 7 has told us in particular, he that overcomes shall inherit all things, and I will be his God, and he shall be my son. God is Yahweh, and the son, if we take it as singular, yet representative of many in one, those who belong to the body of Christ, the Elohim, the first fruits of the earth, made perfect in one. So what we're being told is that God will be in union with his Son, which of course, as we know, represents not just the Lord himself, but those who belong to him. And so, as concluding thoughts, we get this idea, this same idea from Exodus 4 and 22 at the time of Israel's deliverance when Moses went into, in Egypt, went in before Pharaoh and thou shalt say unto Pharaoh, thus saith the Lord God of Israel, God, Israel is my son, even my firstborn and I say unto thee, let my son go that he may serve me and if thou refuse to let him go, behold, I will slay thy son, even thy firstborn. Israel were many people, yet God called them my son, my firstborn. And this seems to be the same idea which Revelation chapter 7 is telling us. 
when all things are made new. Where we find Jesus at the time of deliverance for God's people from sin and death, described like this. I will be his, Jesus, I will be his God, and he shall be my son. What wonderful reconciliation there is there. We will be united with God because we belong to Christ. But every man in his own order, Christ the first roots, afterward they that are Christ's at his coming. And so we thought that in view of this we can conclude by looking again at Isaiah chapter 12 that we read. And the last part of that chapter says to us, Sing unto the Lord, for he hath done excellent things. This is known in all the earth. Cry out and shout, thou inhabitant of Zion, for great is the whole one of Israel in the midst of thee. And in that day, maybe we can sh- shout and cry out to the Holy One of Israel for all that he has done for us to make us first fruits unto God.